welcome to this week's recording of the local news, brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or leave us a message at Colin Chance House. There isn't always somebody here, but uh, somebody will get back to you as soon as possible. Today is July the 20th um, and I am Sally and Ian and Liz are reading with me and John is our sound engineer and Carol is our admin lady. We're going to be featuring the news from Friday July the 14th until Thursday July the 20th. We'll include what's on in the local area followed by the headline stories, general articles of interest ending with a couple of sporting features and the obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. Now today we have got the sunrise was at 5.12am and sunset is 9.18pm. And now I'll pass you over to Ian for the thought for the week. Thank you. The thought for the week is taken from Isaiah chapter 25 verses 8 and 9. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now we have two birthdays to announce this week. Uh, firstly, the 28th of July, uh, many happy returns to Ruth Riddell. And on the 31st, uh, best wishes to Nellie Sayers. So many happy returns to both of those ladies. Uh, moving on to useful telephone numbers. The number for Worcester Talking News is 01905 767766. The non emergency police number is 101. NHS Direct is treble one. Uh, for out of hours medical assistance between 6 pm and 8 pm, 0300. One two three three two double one. Crime Stoppers is on O eight hundred treble five treble one. The Community Risk Team for Fire Safety on O eight hundred O three two double one double five. The Domestic Abuse Helpline is O eight hundred nine eight O. Double three three one, Worcestershire County Council here to help on o one nine o five seven six eight o five three, request option three. Worcester Hub is o one nine o five seven six five seven six five. Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired. Telephone D. Jones on 01684 819796. And lastly, the free phone number for Samaritans is 116 
one, two, three. And now we have um, a roundup of what's on locally for your entertainment. Um, I'm going to start in Malvern, and the box office number for Malvern is 01684 892277. <clears throat> on the 16th of August, for one night only, is the Glen Miller and Big Band Spectacular, presented by the Moonlight Serenade Orchestra. Uh, at the end of this month, July, Tuesday the 25th to the 29th, so that's next week, is a musical called Heathers, uh, packed with talent. Uh, I won't, you can ring, ring the number for further details. Um, <clears throat> again, in August, there is a tribute band for UB40 called The Legacy, and that, again, is a one-night-only, 24th of August. On the 25th of August, the Big Country Music Show. And on the 26th, there's a tribute to the Carpenters. So they are all on at Malvern Festival Theatre, which has been re had a, a big upgrade, so it should be quite interesting. On Wednesday, the 2nd of August, Outdoor Theatre present The Great Gatsby. And that's on at 630 and the telephone number for that is actually, it, it's uh, being held at Greyfriars House and Garden, which is in Fry Street, uh, which is National Trust, of course. The number for that is 01905 23571. So that's the great Gatsby and outdoor performance. Uh, site Concern <clears throat> is delighted to invite you to join the Summer I Explore event. This is a summer family fun day on Thursday the 24th of August from 10am till 3pm at Pershaw Leisure Centre. The day includes a family swim session, free lunch, a soft play session and art and craft opportunities. There's a £5 charge per family. Booking is essential. And it is for families where anyone in the family is visually impaired and carers, siblings and grandparents are warmly welcomed to join in the fun. Further information or to book your space, contact Site Concern on 01905 723245 or... Uh, the email is info, that's I-N-F-O, at siteconcern, all one word, dot co dot uk. Uh, please share the invitation to anyone you know who might like to come along. And that's from Rachel Salter, who's the Wellbeing Activities Coordinator. Um, <clears throat> now, Croom Court, another National Trust uh, venue. Families can explore, move and wonder at Croom this summer as part of a jam-packed event schedule. Children can create a giant bird's nest, have fun on a festival-inspired stage, play garden games and practice cloud-gazing as part of the historic venue's holiday plans. There'll also be craft activities, geology days, storytelling, a sculptural sound installation and more. Visitors could start by exploring the beautiful parkland with summer of play activities around every corner. Picnic spots, nature and wildlife. 
Then head to the house to find a sculptural sound installation and engage the children with contemporary art. And if it's more activities thereafter, in the basement there'll be an activity room with paper crafts, colouring projects and a reading nook. Chantal Williams is the Visitor Experience and Operations Manager at Croom, who said, We're all so excited about our summer of play offer. We have a real festival feel to the parkland. And after your admission, the number of free activities to enjoy is great. My favourite area is the rotunda, where you can stop and take a breath in nature with our yoga and cloud-gazing activities. Although I do also love the performance area. Summer of Play at Croom is from July 26th until September the 3rd. The Parkland Visitor Centre, Cafe and Shop is open between 10am and 5pm, with the house opening from 11am to 4.30pm. So quite a lot going on at Croom. <coughs> now coming back to Worcester, to Worcester Theatres, the Swan Theatre, Huntington Hall and Swan Studio. Their box office number is 01905 611427. Now, Carousel, between the 1st and the 5th of August, is um, the first item at the Swan Theatre. On the 4th of August at Huntington Hall is Eric Bibb, Riding UK Tour. Um, and that's a musical. He's got his guitar there. Uh, on the 15th of August, for one night only, at Huntington Hall again, an evening with Ian Matthews. Um, and that's acoustic guitar and vocals. Uh, if, you're, if you have small children to... Um, um, entertain for ages four plus uh, tall stories present the snail and the whale and that's friday the 25th to saturday the 26th of august and that's obviously on in the day um, and that is at the swan theater and there's also dinosaur adventure live on the 24th of august um, and again, that looks like um, that's something for small children. Um, and on Sunday, August the 27th, which is the bank holiday weekend, is Pop Princess uh, at two o'clock, a magical show where beautiful princesses become pop stars. <laughs> so there we go. Quite a lot to entertain you this summer. Ah, oh, thank you, Liz. And now we'll get on to the news, starting with the headline stories on Friday, July the 14th. There's no meat left. Carvery runs out of meat. Hungry customers were left disappointed after a popular city carvery restaurant ran out of meat. Toby Carvery on Bath Road had to turn away disappointed customers on Wednesday, July the 12th, after running out of food. A queue for the restaurant had formed outside the door following a £5 carvery voucher offer that was valid between Wednesday, the July the 11th and yesterday, July the 13th. A manager for the restaurant told the customers waiting outside there was no food left at the carvery, prompting the queue of people to head back to the car park and leave. Danny Taylor got a taxi to the restaurant from St John's with, with his partner, only to be told he could not eat at the restaurant. He said it cost us money to get there and we had to walk home and get a Chinese takeaway instead. It was supposed to be a cheap meal. It ruined our night as we rarely get a night off. It really, it really, it totally wasted our time and I guaranteed it will never happen again tonight with this promotion. 
Another customer, who wished to remain anonymous, said, We were queuing outside the restaurant for about 20 minutes before they told us they had run out of food. It was pretty frustrating as we'd booked our table the day before. The online offer entitled a £5 carvery per customer once a day over the three-day period. Mitchell & Butler is the parent company of Toby Carvery. A spokesman for the Toby Carvery Worcester said, Due to the success of a recent Toby Carvery £5 off voucher, the restaurant was busier than usual on the night in question. We were able to accommodate all guests who had booked to dine with us in advance. However, due to demand on this occasion, we weren't able to accommodate some guests who arrived without a booking. To avoid disappointment in future, we do recommend that guests dining with us book ahead either by calling us directly or via the website. Uh, now moving on to the lead story for Saturday and Sunday, July the 15th and 16th. We keep getting trapped in faulty lift. Panicking pensioners rescued by firefighters. Panicked pensioners keep getting trapped in a faulty lift and have had to be freed by firefighters. Fed-up tenants at the flats in Brookthorpe Close in Warnden, Worcester, said the lift, the only one in the building, has broken down a number of times in the last six years, sometimes for weeks at a time. Several people have been stuck inside the lift until firefighters let them out. Other tenants are now frightened to use it. When it breaks, those with serious mobility issues who cannot use the stairs are effectively prisoners in their own homes. One man, aged 96, who lives there, would struggle to get up and down the stairs, residents said. Rob Wilding, 65, who suffers from heart problems, said, It's been playing up since I've been here. I have lived here almost six years. I've been stuck in the lift twice when it has broken down. The first time it happened around six months ago, firefighters were called and let him out within about 15 minutes. However, four days later he got stuck in the lift again but was only trapped for 11 minutes. He estimates 30 to 40 different blokes have tried to fix the lift in vain. Geoffrey Day, 76, who suffers from COPD, was stuck in the lift for 45 minutes in April this year. Mr Day said, I was panicking. You feel yourself going down. There's a jerk as the lift shudders to a halt. He described firefighters using a crowbar to get to him inside the lift. The daughter of one resident said, My mum can't get downstairs without the lift. My mum has been trapped in the lift. Even her hairdresser got trapped in the lift, she said. A spokesperson for Platform Housing, which manages the 28 flats, said, We sincerely apologise for the inconvenience to our customers. The lift will be replaced as soon as possible. In the meantime, we will be installing temporary stair lifts. Councillor Jill DeSera, the Warnden councillor, said, I want to be sure they're going to do it as fast as they can. I appreciate it's going to take some time. The stairlift in the interim is another essential consideration. I just want to hold them to both promises. <clears throat> a K 
carer who won appeals against bus lane fines given in the pandemic was shocked to have two of the fines reissued two years later. Helen Portlock, a full-time domiciliary carer, drove in the Lowesmoor bus lane on eight separate occasions in the summer of 2021 while visiting clients. Miss Portlock claims she was working under pressure during the COVID-19 pandemic and was unaware of the poorly signed bus lane restrictions. She received eight penalty charge notices, which she says she successfully overturned. But two years on, she has been told that her revoked PCNs were not actioned quickly enough and she would have to go through the appeal process again. She said, I'm a single mother who works full time as a carer and I want to highlight how stressful, time consuming and difficult it is to appeal PCNs. I drove down Sunson Walk bus lane on business during the summer of 2021. There are four lanes of one-way traffic junctions and traffic lights to deal with, so the sign can be easily missed. I'm very upset by the way I am still being treated. This whole thing has now been going on for nearly two years and I've had enough of their incompetency, lack of compassion and communication. Miss Portlock claims all the PCNs were revoked after a long process of cancelling hundreds of pounds worth of bailiff charges, but two have now been reissued. She received letters hand-delivered by Bristow and Souter, an enforcement agency specialising in local authority debt recovery, towards the end of 2021. Miss Portlock said, when they were delivered to me in person, this was the first time I had been aware as previous attempts had been sent to my old address. I appealed all eight of these PCNs and had to pay for solicitors' letters and postage, which was very time-consuming and stressful. My PCNs were finally successfully revoked by Worcestershire County Council on March the 11th, 2022, <clears throat> but on Friday, June the 30th, two were reissued. Miss Portlock feels Worcestershire County Council has handled her appeal process poorly. A council spokesperson said, The County Council follows a set process when it comes to issuing a penalty charge notice for drivers who have committed bus lane contraventions. These lanes are clearly signposted across the county for drivers. The process is a standard one and relies on DVLA information, that is, all documentation is sent to the address the DVLA holds for the registered keeper of the vehicle. Therefore, it relies on drivers giving their up-to-date address information to the DVLA. Guidance on appealing a, penal a bus lane penalty charge is outlined in the notice. Car petrol bombed as family sleeps. A mother has told of the terrifying moment she saw her car on fire in the middle of the night. Sorry, this is the headline story for Tuesday, July the 18th. Flames lapping at her two-year-old son's bedroom window. Kirsty Howard's car was set on fire outside her house in Ronxwood in the early hours of Saturday, July the 15th. And, she says, the brave actions of a passing taxi driver saved her family's life. I woke up to the taxi driver banging on my door at 3.50am, said Kirsty. 
I ran through into my son's room, looked out the window and saw flames, loads of flames. I picked him up out of bed, ran downstairs and for some reason I opened the front door to see if we could get out, but the heat sent me back. So we ran into the back garden with the baby and called 999. They told me someone had already reported it and they were on their way. Kirsty said firefighters at the scene told her that if the fire had burned for another five minutes, it could have spread to her partner's van, which was also on the drive and contained cans of petrol for his work as a tree surgeon. She also said she was grateful her daughter had been out at a sleepover. This could all have been a very different story, she said. I keep playing it over in my mind. We could have ended up in hospital or worse. That taxi driver has saved our lives. He must have come past the fire to get to the house, which he did, was really brave, and I would like to thank him in person. Kirsty has a suspicion she knows who started the fire. They've put petrol at the front and at the back of the car, so they, wouldn't have see- they would not have seen a child's car seat in the back. Who does that? A West Mercia police spokesman said, Police were called to a vehicle fire on Ripon Road, Worcester, on Saturday at about 4am. No one was injured. It is currently being treated as an arson. Investigations are still ongoing. A spokesman for the fire service said, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service was called out to a small vehicle on fire in Worcester at 3.48am on Saturday. One Worcester Fire Station crew attended Ripon Road to find one car well alight outside a property. The fire was extinguished by two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus and using one hose-reel jet. The police were also in attendance with arson suspected as the cause of the fire. The crew fitted new smoke alarms in the nearby property and left the scene at 5.10am. The lead story for Wednesday, July the 19th. What happened? Scala Probe promised as flagship theatre plan shrinks again. Those responsible for plans for a new 500-seat theatre, now being scrapped in favour of a smaller venue, have been accused of taking their eye off the ball. The council's Labour leadership has vowed to get to the bottom of spiralling costs and whether the original idea was ever feasible. Worcester City Council will be abandoning plans to turn the listed Scala Theatre in Angel Place in Worcester into a 500-seat venue and building a smaller 300-seat venue instead. Councillor Jabba Riaz, Deputy Leader of Worcester City's Council Labour Group, said the party will be examining why the council will have to move to build a smaller venue after seeing soaring costs pushed the project's budget over by £3.5 million. The original vision sold to council members was always fanciful, he said. The building was previously a cinema and is poorly suited to hosting a fully functioning 500-seat theatre. Plans were only allowed to get this far because, I believe, the pressure of delivering a renovated building in time for a general election meant that the eye was taken off the ball. Costs have spiralled and a huge amount has been paid to consultants. We will be reviewing how the council has found itself in this position and left with a much reduced pot of money. 
Councillor Riaz claimed the eye had been taken off the ball over the Scala to ensure it was finished in time for the next general election. Labour leader and co-council chair, Councillor Lynn Denham, said the city's arts organisations need to be involved more to make sure the Scala was a success. Going forward, the Labour leadership will keep a close eye on costs and ensure a greater level of democratic oversight of the project, she said. The Scala is a beautiful building, but investment in buildings is no good unless you bring the people along with you, and that's what we're going to do. It is time for proper involvement with the grassroots organisations whose support will be key to the Scala's long-term success. There are still significant sums of money available from the Future High Streets Fund. By involving the city's creative communities, we believe that the next phase of the Scala's life will truly reflect the needs of the Worcester arts scene. The council has blamed inflation and rising construction costs for the spiralling budget. David Blake, Managing Director at Worcester City Council, said rising costs were hitting everybody hard and the Scala Theatre project was no exception. We have had to reconsider our plans and work out how we can still provide Worcester with a popular and attractive new arts venue, one that will become a popular hub for live entertainment and the arts in the very heart of our city, he said. There are still many issues to be addressed, including the development of a viable business plan for the venue and agreeing construction timetables with the government. But I hope that these new proposals, we can make the revamped Scala a reality. And today's story concerns a thug who kicked his former partner in the stomach causing her to fracture her leg and leaving her unable to walk properly, and he has been jailed. His name is Robbie Wells of Donaldson Court, and he was brought to justice at Worcester Crown Court on Tuesday, July the 18th. A judge told the 43-year-old, who appeared on video link from HMP Huell, he had built up an appalling criminal record of violence against others. Danae Larum, prosecuting, said Wells had been in a relationship with the victim before they split. After Wells headbutted the victim, he was sent to prison and given a restraining order preventing him from contacting her. But, the prosecutor said, Wells went to the victim's home in Worcester on December the 6th last year, saying he wanted to give money to his son. He entered without knocking, the prosecutor said. He gave her £60 in cash and he asked for a drink. Not wanting any issues in front of her son, she agreed to his request. After sitting down on the sofa, Wells turned nasty, saying he wanted his money back before she asked him to leave. The court heard, as the victim got up to take the glass off Wells, he suddenly, without warning, kicked out with his legs into her stomach, sending her flying back into the fireplace. The prosecutor said the victim screamed out in excruciating pain and called for her son to call an ambulance. Wells did not initially leave, only being persuaded to by his son. The court heard the victim suffered a broken leg and had to have a plate inserted in her knee. The victim's personal statement was read out in court, which said, 
I may never be able to walk unaided again. I keep thinking about how I survived this. I use a mobility scooter when I'm out. I'm not even old and I'm having to use one. The prosecutor added that Wells' 43 previous convictions, including for ABH and battery, were an aggravating feature of the case. Wells had previously admitted inflicting grievous bodily harm and harassment, breaching a restraining order. Laura Bather, defending, said Wells had not meant any harm to the victim and was very sorry about what had happened. She told the court that Wells had shown in the past he could stay out of trouble, committing no offences between 2007 and 2018. She added Wells had been confused, thinking his release day was also when the restraining order had finished. But His Honour Judge Martin Jackson rejected that, saying it would have been clear to the defendant he could not go to the victim's home. And now for some general news. Taxi drivers could have to undergo training in disability awareness under new proposals aimed at improving the lives of disabled people. Making improvements in the court system so more disabled people can go on juries and bring in a British Sign Language GCSE are among other measures being considered as part of the Government Disability Action Plan. People are being urged to respond to a newly launched consultation which opened on Tuesday and runs for 12 weeks and which will be used to inform the plan later this year. The Department for Work and Pensions, DWP, said proposals included legislating for mandatory disability awareness training for taxi and private hire drivers to unlock greater travel freedom for disabled people. Other proposals include raising the profile of assisted technology to ensure more disabled people have access to such technology and encouraging more autism-friendly programmes to the culture and heritage sectors to drive greater inclusivity. The proposal to implement the British Sign Language, BSL GCSE, would give thousands of pupils communication and visual memory skills that will be an advantage to them for the rest of their lives, the department said. Last year, British Sign Language was recognised in law as a language of Great Britain in the BSL Act. Last month, a separate consultation was launched by the Department for Education on the content of the subject. Among other proposals in this latest DWP consultation is one to explore the feasibility of Great Britain hosting the Special Olympics World Summer Camp in 2031. Minister for Disabled People, Health and Work, Tom Perslov, said our disability action plan will lay out practical measures we can implement here and now to improve the lives of disabled people. From leading the way globally with assisted technology to improving inclusivity and accessibility across sport, travel and culture. The plan will also be important in setting the stage for longer term change. We want disabled people to be at the heart of decision making and I would encourage anyone interested to respond to this consultation so the views of disabled people across the the country are front and centre of our final disability action plan. The DWP said the plan will go alongside the government's national disability strategy, which sets out a longer-term vision to improve disabled people's lives. Worcester is set to benefit from a public bike hire scheme, which is due to be rolled out next year. 
Councillor Lynn Denham, co-leader of Worcester City Council, said that the contract for the scheme should be awarded by October and the bike hire scheme should be in action by spring 2024. Public bike hire schemes such as Santander Cycles in London and West Midlands Cycle Hire have been established in areas across the UK. Councillor Denham said that the council is working on the scheme and was optimistic about its success. She said, as Worcester City Council, we have funding and are in the process of introducing a public bike hire scheme. I think this will be a real asset for the city and we can learn from other areas that have tried similar bike hire schemes about what will make it successful. This will be a huge boost for active travel in the city. Councillor Denham also confirmed that the scheme will not involve e-scooters, only bikes. Not much is known at this stage how the scheme would work, but other schemes across the UK have both docking and dockless options. Dan Brothwell of Bike Worcester said he was massively behind the scheme and welcomed the news. He said, I am aware this has been happening behind the scenes and I think it is a brilliant thing for the city, fitting in with what we are trying to do at Bike Worcester. I think it is wise to study where, where else the schemes have worked and have failed before this gets underway. For it to take off, I think we need a lot more designated routes for cyclists to follow, especially through the city centre, where there currently isn't any. It would also be crucial to work out what the bikes are most likely to be used for ahead of the scheme, such as leisure and commuting. Allowing for cycling in the city centre during the day would also be crucial, I think, for the scheme to work. Bike Worcester is a group promoting safe and accessible cycling in Worcester. A long-serving headteacher who taught across generations has bid a fond farewell to her Worcester school. Sean Williams has been the headteacher of Northwick Manor Primary School for the past 15 years, after moving there from a position as head at Lippard Grange Primary School. Miss Williams started her head teacher career at the age of 35 and now at 55 teaches her former pupils' children. Many of the children she used to teach at the beginning of her career are now 27 years old. When I wrote my leaving letter to parents, <clears throat> I started it with the immense sense of pride I have after working in a great school, Miss Williams said. There is part of me, or an element, which is sad to leave a great group of people. She had decided to move from her role at Lippard Grange Primary School after hearing about the amalgamation of Northwick Manor Infants and Northwick Manor Juniors in 2008 and was up for a challenge. Since then, she has overseen the school joining the Rivers Academy Trust helped them be awarded an outstanding Ofsted report and won Primary School of the Year at the Worcestershire Education Awards 2023. She said she could also hold one of the longest-serving head teacher titles within Worcester City. <clears throat> she said, I think for me it is all about the team and when I think of accomplishments of the school, I think of the accomplishments of the people. The school has succeeded because of the staff, pupils and the people above me. 
It is an exciting time for Northwick Manor Primary School right now, as some staff are leaving, and it feels like this is the end of an era. But the people staying will still be flying the Northwick flag. <clears throat> it is a period of change, but an exciting period. Ms Williams will continue to work at Northwick Manor Primary School to assist in transitioning the new headteacher into their role. She aims to leave in December and says she will spend her time rebalancing her life. In the future, Ms Williams said she might move into school improvement work or mentoring. A pungent sewage smell has taken over a popular supermarket chain yet again. Shoppers at the Tesco Superstore on Millwood Drive, Warnden Villages have been deterred from shopping there amid a foul smell of sewage which has taken over the premises. One shopper, Peter Vandervel, said the store could not continue to let the smell waft through its premises after the issue had been raised twice before. Mr Vandervel of Warnden Villages said the smell returned last Wednesday but instead of staying by the entrance, as it has previously, it is now apparent throughout the entire store. In response, Tesco said, a maintenance team is working to solve the issues and stress the smell poses no health risk. It puts you off full stop, said Mr Vandeveld. You would not go in a pub with that smell, but it appears to be worse as they are selling food. Not just food in tins and jars, but fresh food. When it happened before, I stopped going there and it took years for me to go back. They don't even have something on the door which says it smells horrible. Mr Vandeveld said the smell in the store is pungent. He described it as not quite like a sewage farm, but similar to the fertiliser farmers spray on their fields. It hangs over all the store, he added. I just thought it could not go on like this. Dean Bowkett had previously raised issues with a foul-smelling plaguing shoppers at the supermarket in 2017 and then re-raised the case this March. In 2017, a spokesperson for Tesco confirmed that the issue was caused by underfloor piping and that despite the foul smell, the supermarket had no hygiene concerns around food or customer health. Tesco's also has a supermarket in St Peter's and there are several other Tesco Express stores also found throughout the city. A popular attraction near Worcester is returning for its 18th year in time for the summer holidays. The Worcester Maze Maze, that's Maze spelled M-I-Z-E and M-A-I-Z-E and M-A-Z-E on Upton Road, Powick, is reopening later this month with three separate mazes to enjoy. A spokesperson for the business said, We are pleased to announce we are opening soon. On Saturday, July the 22nd, we will be opening for our 18th year. We can't wait to share more details over the next week about this year's maze. The attraction will open every day until Sunday, September the 3rd, and then will continue to be open on weekends. It features six-foot-tall maze plants, a sunflower patch and free parking, as well as food and drink items such as hot and cold drinks, ice cream, homemade cakes, sweets and barbecue-style food. Rob and Claire Colton, along with their children Rosie and Effie, have been running the maze maze since 2006. Mr Colton said, The maze has grown well this year and we are in the process of creating all the paths to follow. 
Anyone interested in coming to the maze this year can either book ahead online or get their tickets at the gate when they arrive. According to the Worcester Maze website, each maze incorporates a quiz to find and search for, then work out your answers as you walk around. The site is also dog-friendly, providing pets are kept on a short lead and owners bring bags to collect dog faeces. In 2006, the family were milking a 60-head herd of Holstein dairy cows and were looking for diversification ideas. The farm no longer operates as a dairy farm and instead concentrates on beef and sheep, with the maize crop used after the visitor season to feed the livestock. For more information on the Great Worcester Maize Maze, you can visit www.worcestermaze.com. <clears throat> New plans to create a walking and cycling link between the city centre and Shrub Hill have been unveiled. A planning application has been submitted by Worcester City Council to create a new five metre wide path between Pheasant Street, opposite the Asda Car Park in Worcester, to Padmore Street and the existing Cromwell Street Bridge over the canal. <coughs> the scheme would also include improvements to the bridge and parts of Cromwell Street on the eastern side of the canal to create an attractive new way of getting between the city centre and Shrub Hill without having to use a car or bus. If all goes smoothly to plan, the council expects the work to start in March 2025. The planning application forms an important part of the wider regeneration of the area around the canal and Shrub Hill station. Last month, Worcestershire County Council revealed its new vision for Shrub Hill which shows how it imagines the area will grow in the next 20 years and includes 500 new homes and predictions of up to 5,000 new jobs. <clears throat> the overhaul of Shrub Hill Industrial Estate and the surrounding area includes hundreds of new homes and business and office space and will eventually be home to a new neighbourhood filled with restaurants, bars and shops. City Council Managing Director David Blake said the regeneration of the Shrub Hill Quarter in the coming years will create a greater need than ever for there to be quick and easy ways of getting between that area and the city centre. In line with the Council's environmental sustainability strategy, we need links that are not all about motorised transport and this planning application for a new shared route for walkers, cyclists and other forms of active travel is aimed at delivering that. The improvements for Shrub Hill were dealt a blow earlier this year when the government snubbed a £20 million bid by Worcester City Council for levelling up money, which included plans to transform the Grade 2 listed engine works in Shrub Hill Road into landmark offices and creative workshop space. Have you ever wondered how Worcestershire sauce is made? A video which was first published on YouTube almost a decade ago has been making the rounds on social media once again and some viewers have been left shocked by how the sauce is made. The video on Decode by Discovery YouTube does a deep dive into how the famous sauce is made and the history behind it. 
The Liam Perrins factory on Midland Road in Worcester has been making Worcestershire sauce since 1897. The staple ingredients of the iconic sauce are garlic, onions, anchovies and tamarind paste. The sauce was invented in 1835 when an army officer went to Bengal to help run the British Empire and he fell in love with a fish sauce. When he came back from his travels in India, he asked two chemists, John Wheelie Lee and William Henry Perrins, to try and recreate it. Apparently what they came up with tasted revolting until it was left fermenting for a couple of years in a cellar. And the ingredients for the sauce are still left to ferment even today. The narrator of the video said, It may sound revolting, but fish spice and veg maturing in vinegar form a delicious sauce. Though pickling raw ingredients kicks up a seriously strong smell, 130 barrels of Spanish anchovies are matured for up to three years. The narrator continued and says, Fresh fish goes bad very quickly, so the layers of anchovies are cured with salt. The salt sucks the water from the fish. The unwanted bacteria can't survive in these conditions, so the fish is preserved. But that doesn't quite mask the stench. And even more poignant smells are just across the hall because whole onions and garlic bulbs are maturing in malt vinegar. The acidity of the vinegar inhibits the growth of bacteria and softens the texture of the onions, which gives them more flavour. 1,500 barrels are left under a vault in the factory to mature for a year. The aged onions and garlic are put into a huge blending tank to be mixed with even more malt vinegar and spirit vinegar and tamarind paste. The aged anchovies are then mixed with more salt, sugar and molasses. Top secret spices are also added into the recipe and only six people in the world know what they are. Once it's all been mixed together, the sauce will now spend several months in a series of maturation tanks. What the people say. People commenting on the video have mixed views about learning how the sauce was made. One said, Worcestershire sauce has such a unique flavour, it's easy to see why it lasted the test of time. I was shocked to find out what is actually in it. I bet most seafood haters had no idea it contained anchovies, as I didn't either. Another said, I love this stuff. I wish they sold it by the gallon. The ancient Romans loved a fermented fish sauce called garum. Such sauce is very popular in Vietnam and Asia in general. To watch the video, lo video log on to the worcesternews.co.uk. A peak rise in orphaned kittens being handed into a Worcestershire cat shelter has led it to struggle to feed the growing demand. The constant influx of unwanted kittens has started to provide a strain on cat protection's Worcester and Evesham's branches. The excess of kittens, too young to be away from their mothers, along with low adoption rates, has meant space and stocks of kitten food are becoming scarce. Dan Smith, rehoming and welfare assistant at the centre, said, Unfortunately, now that 75% of the cats in our care are kittens, we're struggling to keep up with the demand for kitten food. As fast as we feed them, they're hungry again. 
Three pairs of 13-week-old kittens were handed into the centre recently after their unneutered mother, Poppet, only a year old, gave birth to Bonbon, Chewit, Sherbet, Marshmallow, Jelly Tot and Gumdrop. Poppet's previous owners could not care for her and her young family, so they were sent to a shelter. The charity centres in Worcester and Evesham currently have 67 cats in care between them and almost the same number again on their combined waiting lists. Cat Protection said there are many ways cat lovers can help the kittens thrive and the charity to take in more cats. Deputy Manager Bethany Roberts said, whether you are able to donate some kitten food, volunteer to teach young cats about the world, foster a pregnant stray or adopt a moggy in need of a home, we'd love to hear from you. And if your own cat isn't already neutered, that's the best gift you can give your cat, your finances and us. It not only prevents unwanted litters now and in the future, but also helps prevent disease and will ensure you don't have the stress of vet bills relating to pregnancy. To donate some kitten food, visit the centre's wish list or drop it off at the Green Shed on Pitchers Hill in Wickhamford or the centre's food bins at Tesco or Morrison's in Evesham. Further information about volunteering to be a fosterer can be found at www.cats.org.uk forward slash Worcester. And now we have uh, Councillor Louis Stevens' Mayor's Diary. He writes, Last weekend I visited the Repair Café, which was celebrating its seventh year. Organised by Transition Worcester, it meets at 11am on the second Saturday of the month at Unity House on Stanley Road. The Repair Café is supported by the Duckworth Trust. Repair cafes are volunteer-run initiatives where people bring their broken items for repair instead of discarding them. These cafes operate in shared community spaces and offer regular events where skilled volunteers assist individuals in fixing a variety of items, encouraging a DIY approach and fostering skill sharing. Repair cafes are a little bit like what you may have seen on the TV show The Repair Shop. The main difference being that with Worcester's Repair Café, anyone can rock up with just about anything that is broken, with no need for the object to have a backstory or it being a family heirloom. Do you remember the days when you could buy a new heating element for a kettle? Or we actually made repairs to clothes rather than throwing them away in what we now called fast we now call fast fashion. Our repair cafe takes on everything from sharpening secateurs to a stopped clock, to a laptop not turning on, to a broken zip, to a vacuum cleaner needing a new drive belt. Repair cafes help reduce waste by extending the lifespan of items which would otherwise end up in landfills. They promote repair, reuse and repurposing, challenging the throwaway culture. Repair cafes are friendly places. They serve tea and cake and are a safe space for community members to connect, share skills and engage in meaningful interactions. 
Participants not only get their items repaired, but also forge relationships, strengthening the social fabric of their community. So, take a bow, everyone leading Transition Worcester. Transition Worcester recognises that on a finite planet with 8 billion largely very poor people, we can't expect to continue to use and abuse the resources we have in countries like ours. As well as Repair Café, Transition Worcester also promotes energy conservation, has created a community teaching garden and rescues at least some of the tonnes of perfectly good food routinely thrown away by the big supermarkets every day. Thank you. For more information, you can go on to www.transitionworcester.org.uk A child has been seriously hurt in a second dog attack to happen in Worcester in one day. A nine-year-old boy suffered a serious leg injury caused by a dog at home in Portfields Road in Tolladine on Wednesday, July the 12th. The attack came on the same day that a 68-year-old woman and a 38-year-old man were badly hurt by a family pet at a home in Borton Avenue, St John's. Officers were called to the incident shortly before 5pm yesterday. The child was taken to hospital by his family where he is being treated. The dog was recovered by officers and is secured in kennels. West Mercia Police Superintendent Rebecca Love said, Both of these incidents will have been incredibly traumatic for the families involved and we are wishing all three people injured a safe and quick recovery. A formal process with a qualified vet has to be followed to establish the breed of dogs involved and that work is underway. Nobody expects a loved family pet to turn aggressive and injure their owner or anyone else, but it's important to remember that any dog can bite. If you're worried about your dog's behaviour, we encourage you to contact your local vet for advice and support. If you're genuinely concerned that a dog is dangerously out of control, has bitten a person or another animal, or is likely to do so, then you can contact us. Residents on Porterfields Road were aware of what had happened but said they did not see the attack directly as it was inside the property. One man said, I heard about what happened but I didn't see anything. As far as I'm aware it happened inside a home, not on the road. Meanwhile, the dog that attacked the 68-year-old woman in St John's was the family's pet, police have revealed. The family killed the dog in the attack to prevent further injuries. The dog was dead when police arrived. Another man was injured but did not want hospital treatment. A neighbour said they saw a man leaving the house carrying a hammer before sinking to the floor in apparent relief as police arrived on the scene. The council is looking to beef up security at some of the city's allotments after spates of thefts and vandalism. The City Council is looking to replace and install new fences and gates at two of its allotment sites, Hilborough allotments in Stanley Road and Northwick Road allotments. The two applications will be discussed by the Council's planning committee at a meeting in the Guildhall on July 20th. A report which outlines the recommendation said, 
the proposals of the replacement fencing and vehicle gates will individually and collectively improve the security to the area. The proposed materials are considered to be of good quality and will integrate effectively with its surroundings. The Council's plans for the Hilborough allotments would see dilapidated wire fencing along the Southern Midland Road boundary, replaced with a stronger 1.8 metre high fence and new entrance gate. A new fence would also be built to the north of the allotments near Byfield Rise. The Council said the allotment fences and gates were no longer serving the required purpose and needed to be replaced to improve security as well as make it easier for deliveries. The site has suffered with thefts of produce and damage to sheds and tenants' property. The proposed improvements are considered to improve the existing insufficient security measures and provide wider gated access to allow for deliveries of manure, which are usually via a tractor or trailer, the council said. The plans for Northwick would see new fencing and gates built at the allotment's three entrances and a new taller fence along Marion Close. The council had originally considered building a new vehicle entrance for the allotments in Marion Close, but later scrapped the move. Two residents in nearby Southall Avenue, which joins Marion Close at the allotment's entrance, said the council's plans were inappropriate and alien to the rest of the residential street. One objector, Nicholas Hatton of Southall Avenue, said, The proposed new fencing and gates are inappropriate for a domestic setting. The allotments are set within a suburban environment and any improvements must be in a complementary aesthetic that is not detrimental to the local environment. Both plans will be discussed by Worcester City's Council's planning meeting from 3pm in the Guildhall on July 20th. A replica crane will not be installed at Diglis Marina despite a 10-year campaign from a passionate resident. The small crane, which sat by the waterside in Diglis Basin, was moved during the redevelopment work at the start of the 21st century and was stolen while in a lock-up. Diglis resident Will Richards has spent more than a decade trying to restore or return the crane. Uh, stolen during the part of the regeneration of the area back in 2008. Mr Richards said, I believe that we need to be protecting our architectural heritage and by not doing something about this, it is almost like throwing our history away. We should be protecting them because there is so little left. Those in charge of its care, Worcester City Council and the Canal and Rivers Trust, have a duty to protect it. The worst thing that we can do is when we have diminishing artefacts left from our history, especially when they show the importance of our commercial and industrial history, which Diglis played a huge part with, is let them fade away. A spokesperson for the Canal and River Trust said, as it does not own the land, permission and funding would need to be obtained. They said... The land the crane sat on was sold many years ago. So when our heritage team spoke with Mr Richards, they weren't aware of the full history of the site as they weren't in post when the land was sold off and the crane went missing. 
The problem we have is there isn't detailed information available on what the missing crane looked like, so it would be difficult to, re to create a replica without this info. What we did suggest was that interpretation may work better to tell the story of the crane and its links with the canal. However, this would be subject to funding being found for this and planning approvals. We are supportive of the campaign to restore the crane at Diglis Basin and we hope one day this will happen. It's upsetting to see canal heritage disappear and we would be delighted if the original crane was found and once again installed along the canal. A Worcester City Council spokesman said it is now not possible for a replica to be installed in the area. Following the theft of the crane while it was in storage, the developer worked with the council to agree to amendments to planning conditions that required a replica crane be made and installed within 18 months of the first occupation of any dwelling. The council had 10 years to enforce this condition. We understand the first dwelling was occupied around 2008, so it is not now possible for any action to be taken on this matter. It is obviously regrettable that a replica crane will not be installed on the site. The City Council hopes to be able to explore the possibility of working with the Canal and River Trust to find a way of commemorating the historical importance of the crane at the location where it stood for 150 years. A care home in Worcester is celebrating after its dedicated team was recognised at the Care Home Awards 2023. Care UK's Perry Manor on Charles Hastings Way won the Best for Specialist Care Award, a category which celebrates the efforts of a care home using tailored healthcare solutions to ensure resident-specific needs are met. The Care Home Awards recognise and reward excellence and innovation in UK care home management, operation and delivery. After working closely with the local ICB, Integrated Care Board, the team at Perry Manor identified a need in the community for specialist care. They launched a new high-needs suite to meet the care needs of the region. With space for 14 residents, the home's new Malvern suite has provided specialist care for people with complex neurological conditions, including dementia. Catherine Matthews, home manager at Perry Manor, said, Winning is a testament to the team's commitment and dedication to ensuring that all residents are supported to be able to live a happy and fulfilling life. The launch of our specialist Malvern suite has meant that we've been able to help families stay closer together while enhancing life for their loved ones as they receive tailored one-to-one -one care from specialist team members. I'm thrilled that Perry Manor has been recognised for the positive impact we have on residents' welfare on a daily basis through careful care. I'm so proud of the Perry Manor team and all we have been able to achieve since opening the doors to this unique suite. We are thrilled to be adding another award to our collection. To find out more about Perry Manor, you can call 01905 886 715. A dedicated group promoting safe and accessible cycling in Worcester have teamed up with Crowngate Shopping Centre to create a bike recycling pop-up in the city centre. Volunteers from Bike Worcester are refurbishing bikes and making them available to people who might otherwise struggle to afford a new bike 
and don't have the knowledge to fix up an old bike. The pop-up is situated in the former vacant unit on Friars Walk. Phil Jones from Bike Worcester said, I am so proud of what our team of volunteers has achieved so far and we're really grateful to the owners of the Crowngate Shopping Centre, the Crown Estate, for making this possible with a generous loan of the workshop space. In the first six months, as well as setting everything up, finding volunteers and tools, developing our processes and ways of working, we have placed 18 bikes with new owners. Recipients of bikes have included refugees, parents who want to accompany their children to school on the bike bus, and others who just need a bike. All recipients are living in Worcester with one exception. One of the refurbished bikes was taken back to Ukraine by a refugee family. To find out more about the great work Bike Worcester are doing or to donate a bike, visit www.bikeworcester.org.uk or find them at the Worcester Show on August 13th. A free pop-up waste collection is set to be scrapped by the council to save money. Worcester City Council has revealed that it plans to ditch the popular Saturday skip service from next year to ease its future budget woes. Binning the collections would save around £50,000 a year from 2024-25, the City Council said. The skips, which are dotted around a handful of locations across the city, were reintroduced in 2021 and provide a a free local drop-off point for residents who are unable to take bulky household waste items to the city's recycling centres. The council currently places skips at Weir Lane in Lowick, Waverley Street near Cherry Orchard Nature Reserve, Shap Drive, Tolladine Road, the King George V playing fields in Brickfields Road and Downs Green Community Centre. The council then sends two bin lorries week by week to the different sites. The yearly cost of running the service totals £50,000, with the council saying the bulk of the money goes to paying overtime to staff, as none of the council's waste or recycling workers are contracted to work weekends for the skip service. The council also said the free skip service clashes with its charges for collecting bulky waste, such as washing machines, fridges, televisions, mattresses and rolls of carpet, with charges ranging from £11.20 to £21.50, depending on what is collected. Many of the skips are placed in areas of the city where housing associations should be collecting rubbish and footing the bill, the council said, and it was taking on additional and unnecessary costs by continuing the service. The council has warned of job losses and further cuts to services, with a worrying gap in the authorities' budget expected to rise to at least £4 million in the next five years. Cuts of between 8 and 10% are predicted to be needed to bring Worcester City Council's spending in line with income and it said it will look at outsourcing services and turning to sponsors, volunteers and other community organisations to run some of its activities. 
Council bosses are already discussing cuts to departmental budgets and alongside potential job losses have reopened the voluntary redundancy scheme to try and save as much money as possible. The council warns that already squeezed services will be cut to the bone with only the amenities the authority has to do by law spared from the chop. Worcester Cathedral is trialling becoming a dog-friendly venue from next week. As of July the 17th, dogs will be welcomed at the city landmark both on the grounds and inside the building during visiting hours. The cathedral is asking visitors to help it consider whether it becomes permanent by following its new guidelines. Visitors are reminded that other than assistance dogs, no dogs will be allowed on tours to the crypt, inside the shop or inside the cloister cafe. However, dogs can still join their owners for a coffee or lunch at the external seating located in the cloister or the chapter house, and treats can be found on sale in the cafe or the shop. Ensuring that dogs do not approach other visitors and children, and keeping dogs on a short lead is also part of the new guidance, alongside ensuring that you are cleaning up dog faeces and informing a staff member. As the cathedral is a place of worship, Owners are asked to take dogs outside if they begin to bark and, at events, dogs will not be permitted. Canon Stephen Edwards, the Vice Dean of Worcester, said, We've listened to our visitor feedback and have decided to trial a period throughout the summer where dogs are welcome inside the cathedral for visiting. We cannot wait to welcome our four-legged friends into the cathedral. Dogs are so important to so many of our visitors and bring much love and joy to their families. So we felt it was only right that we welcome them into the cathedral where we hope our visitors will be able to enjoy the beauty of the building with their canine companions. Cathedral staff reserve the right to refuse entry for a pet or ask the owner to take the pet outside if the guidance isn't being followed. Staff will also be listening to visitor feedback throughout the summer to decide whether this becomes a permanent arrangement. Visiting hours at Worcester Cathedral are from 10am to 5pm on Monday to Saturday and from 1pm to 3pm on Sundays. To keep up to date with the latest news from Worcester Cathedral, visit www.worcestercathedral.co.uk slash news. Inspirational six-year-olds from a Worcester school have their sights set high this summer as they take on the Three Peaks Challenge in just three days. Fionn Williams and Tegan White, who attend attend King's Worcester Prep Schools, set themselves the New Year's resolution to climb Penny Van, which they successfully achieved in April. Following on from this, and inspired by recent school assemblies about charity Project Gambia, Tegan, Year 1, King's St Albans, and Fionn, Year 2, King's Horford, set themselves the challenge to raise enough money to fund the building of a new classroom, £4,000 in total. Supported by their parents, the girls will take on the highest mountains in Scotland, England and Wales over three days this summer. Scaling the heights of the three peaks of Ben Nevis, Scarfell Pike, Snowdon, they will cover an impressive ascent of 3,064 metres, 37 kilometres of walking 
and 462 driving miles, all to raise money for charity Project Gambia. Project Gambia has, since 2007, established a range of projects in schools, villages and farms to provide education, support and funding to enable people to find a sustainable solution to poverty. The King's Worcester Foundation is one of the 30 local schools and community groups who support the work of Project Gambia. Bev Hot from Project Gambia added, this is an incredible challenge the girls are set to take on. A classroom will change education opportunities and therefore futures of not just the children of today, but for countless generations to come. We wish them all the best for their training and the forthcoming challenge too. Tom Butt, headmaster of King's Horford, said, Three mountains in three days is a lot for anyone, but especially for such little legs. We are so very proud of their determination, kindness and generosity to support this wonderful charity. If you wish to support Tegan and Fionn, visit www.gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash Tegan, T-I-E-G-A-N hyphen Fionn, double F-I-O-N dash do dash the dash three dash peaks dash four dash project dash Gambia. An exclusive Worcester-themed Monopoly board game will hit the shelves after 16 long years. Toys and Games Worcester designed the board with brand new features after many customers had entered the store requesting it. Owner Tim Evans has lived in Worcester for 50 years and wanted the board to pay homage to his city's iconic landscapes and inside jokes. It is not designed by a London company, but designed by us, Mr Evans said. We are Worcester people who have been living in the city for 50 years and experience the things happening. I hope it pleases people. Many years ago, Worcester had its very own Monopoly game created. However, the game eventually became outdated and many toy shops were no longer stocking it. The new Worcester edition will have updated squares, community chest and chance cards and new packaging. The Worcester version will be similar to the classic Monopoly board, but Mr Evans admitted it does have a lot of his humour embedded throughout. He said, in 16 years, a lot of businesses have changed, so instead of places, we did landmarks. And the community chest and chance cards are related to living in Worcester. Mr Evans kept his lips sealed when asked about the game's contents, but has revealed what was on one of the chest cards. It will read, You have been injured in a Battle of Worcester reenactment event. Pay £50. The game will be exclusively sold from Toys and Games Worcester and is already available for pre-order on its website. It is hoped the board will hit the shelves in November just in time for Christmas and is at a retail cost of £34.99. And that's the end of the general news. We just have uh, three sporting items now. 
a local race horse will be honoured at next week's Worcester race meeting after he died in surgery following a fall earlier this month. Captain Tomcat, trained by Droitwich-based trainer Dr Richard Newland, died in surgery on July the 10th after suffering a ruptured tendon on, in a race at Market Raisin on the day before July the 9th. The eight-year-old was a popular horse that was owned by the syndicate Diva Racing and in his memory, Diva will sponsor one of the races at the July the 29th meeting. Diva's director, Ryan Tung, spent a lot of time with Captain Tomcat and grew very fond of the horse. I'm just overwhelmed by the reaction and messages we've been sent, he said to at the races last week. What a course, what a horse he was. It was a very difficult situation to come to terms with and accept, but it was the right thing to do and we tried everything to save the boy. It was just really, really sad. Worcestershire have confirmed that pace bowler Pat Brown will depart the club at the end of the season to join Derbyshire. Brown's contract runs out this summer and he becomes the third player to depart New Road this season after the duo of Josh Tong and Dylan Pennington confirmed their move to Nottinghamshire. 24-year-old Brown has been with Worcestershire since he was 17 and studied at the University of Worcester where he was presented with a cricket scholarship alongside a degree in business management. Brown's notable achievements include claiming 31 wickets in the Worcestershire Rapids 2018 Vitality Blast Triumph and added a further 24 wickets this summer. Following the Rapids finishing as runners-up in the 2019 Vitality Blast, Brown then went on to make his England debut that winter in the T20 side. He was also part of the 2017 County Championship Division 2 winning side. I will be forever grateful to Worcestershire for providing me with the opportunities from the age of 17 that have shaped me into the cricketer and person I am today, said Brown. There have been so many amazing times playing for Worcestershire throughout my seven years as a professional and obvious highlight being the 2018 Vitality Blast Triumph. I would like to extend a huge thank you to all of my teammates, coaches, support staff and members for their unwavering support throughout my time at the club. It is with a heavy heart that I have taken the decision to leave, but New Road and Worcestershire have forever left its mark on me. I wish the club and everyone involved every success in the future. Upon joining Derbyshire, he added, I'm really excited to be joining Derbyshire and working in a new environment under a proven international coach, Mickey Arthur, who I know will get the best out of me as a player. Becoming a part of the project which is building at Derbyshire and looking to compete for trophies over the next three years appealed to me greatly. Having played at the Encora County Ground in this year's Vitality Blast, I was enthused by the prospect of playing my home games here and making full use of the great facilities the ground has to offer in my pursuit of becoming the best cricketer I can be. I'm keen to push on in my career and become a valuable asset to the team in all formats. 
Mickey made it very clear to me how he believes I can become a successful red ball bowler at Derbyshire with his and the coaching team's help. That vision is extremely exciting for me and I and played a huge part in my decision to join the club. And now we have some athletics. Worcester high jumper Joel Clark Khan became British champion for a third time last weekend at the UK Athletics Championship in Manchester. Clark Khan, 23, produced a season's best of 2.18 metres in the final and was the only athlete to go clear at the height. He was joined on the podium by silver medalist William Grimsey and bronze winner Luke Ball. Their marks were 2.15 and 2.09 metres respectively. Speaking afterwards, Clark Khan said, It feels pretty good. I've had a bit of a rocky season, so I'm very happy to be where I am today. I've had a really bad season the last three weeks. I've pulled out of some competitions and I've managed to change a few things around. I knew I had the potential to jump really high today, but I hadn't competed, so it was just putting it all together. Clark Khan is funded by the Ron Pickering Memorial Fund and they took to Facebook to congratulate their recipient. They said, congratulations, Joel Clark Khan, on your third British title. It is such an amazing achievement. We're super proud to have been able to support you over these past years and watch your journey into such a powerful athlete. And um, that just ends our contribution for this week. So thank you very much for listening. And the obituaries will follow the music. So it just remains for us to say... Keep safe and until next time, goodbye. And now for the obituaries. Gaynor Rees Smallman, matron of South Hayes Nursing Home, 1944 to 2023, died peacefully in Fernhill House. Funeral at St Martin's Church, London Road, at 12.30 on the 26th of July and afterwards at the Crown and Sandys in Ombersley. If you wish to attend, please ring 07-300-335-052. Donations to Salvation Army and the Air Ambulance to AV Band at WorcesterDignity.co.uk. Jean Keeble, known as Betty, passed away peacefully at home on the 23rd of June, aged 94. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 25th of July at 11.30. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons in Worcester. James Forsyth, known as Jim, 27th of the 7th, 48, to 23rd of the 6th, 23. Our wonderful Jim passed away at home after a short fatal illness. Jim's funeral will be held at the Vale Crematorium on Friday the 28th of July at 2pm. Jim's family ask that you wear whatever you feel comfortable in. It does not have to be black dress code. Family flowers only please and donations if so desired to Campton Home Nursing, Jekka's House. 
GL556HR may be sent to Thomas Brothers Funeral Directors in Redditch. Thank you. Jean Kears, nay Court, passed away after a short illness on the 25th of June, aged 91. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday the 26th of July at 2.30, followed by an internment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the Stroke Association may be left on the collection plate at the chapel or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons in Worcester. Patricia Smith passed away peacefully on the 26th of June. Her funeral service is at Witchenford Church on Monday the 24th of July at 12 noon, followed by internment in the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Parkinson's UK may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Carol Sherwood, nay Brenton of Fernhill Heath, passed away peacefully in hospital on the 26th of June, aged 63 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 21st of July at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son Worcester. Matthew Charles Fole passed away on the 28th of June, aged 44 years. The funeral service will take place at the Wire Forest Crematorium on Monday, July 31st at 12.30pm. Please wear a splash of red, Matthew's favourite colour. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be shared between the Midlands Air Ambulance and Calvert Kielder. Inquiries to Emma Bulston Funeral Services, New Road, Bromyard. Bernard John Boskett passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on the 4th of July. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on July the 25th at 3.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations to St Richard's Hospice. No black, please. Graham Newbury, formerly of Worcester, died peacefully at the Hawthorns Care Home Evesham on the 6th of July. The funeral will take place at Waterside Cemetery, Evesham, on Wednesday the 26th of July at 11am. All inquiries to Merstow Green Funeral Home, Evesham. Ivor Kerrod sadly passed away on the 8th of July, aged 92 years. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 27th of July at 11.30am. Family flowers only. Donations if desired for British Heart Foundation. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Barbon Road, Worcester. We send our best wishes and prayers to the family and friends recently bereaved at this difficult time. <laughs> 